Welcome to SCG Church's podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. We also have live outdoor services underneath our tent at Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. Thanks so much for listening. All right. So, Cody, how are you going to tie that song into your sermon? I, you know, I didn't, I, you know, start with some dad jokes. Maybe that'll, that'll help, huh? Some dad jokes. It's Father's Day weekend, and it's like the one time of the year that I get to do dad jokes. And so I feel like I'm going to throw a couple dad jokes at you that I've, uh, that I've been working on that I've found, okay? There we go. Um, Doyle. Cody. Did you hear about the cheese factory that exploded? No. Yeah, it was crazy. There was debris everywhere. That was a cheesy joke. Did you see what I did there? I, I think it got debris everywhere. Yeah, it got, a okay, all right. We'll work on it. All right. Um, this one's a little bit junior high inappropriate. The elderly wife in church turned to her husband and said, I've just done a silent fart. What should I do? He said, change the batteries in your hearing aid. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. All right. Don't laugh. It'll encourage him. Okay. Don't, don't. All right, how about this one? Uh, when I'm around my Spanish-speaking friends, I always use the word mucho. It means a lot to them. <laughs> offensive, offensive. Is that offensive? Culturally okay. inappropriate. All right, okay. Uh, let's see. I'm going to, uh, I'm going I'm to fast forward a little bit here. Um, you know, you should never marry a tennis player. Why is that? Because love means nothing to them. <laughs> All right, Okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, you know, I got, uh, I went into the store the other day and I was buying something and they, they, they carded me. They asked for my ID to see like my age. And when I was trying to get my driver's license out, uh, my blockbuster card fell out and he said, "Never mind, we know. That would have been funnier if I said it, I think. Yeah. I think that would have been funnier. But I, re- I remember. I, was... I could have said my AARP or something. Okay, like yeah, no, but then it, it would, it had to be believable that someone would want to know your age. Anyway, okay. Um. It's <laughs> true, true. Have, have you heard about all the prices and stuff that have been just outrageous lately? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. like lumber, things like that. You know what else has been really expensive? What? Balloons. Yeah, yeah. it's due to inflation. <laughs> I'm trying to make some, you know, those are kind of real contemporary. Are you okay. saving up for your kids' therapy? Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, my wife told me the other night she saw a, a spider there yeah, in our house, and she's like, Cody, can you please go take that out? And so... Um, I, I took him out for something to drink, and, and real nice guy. He turns out to be a graphic designer. <laughs> Web, okay, all right. Um, okay, this is a good quarantine one, I feel like. This is a good. I wonder what my parents did to fight boredom before the internet. So I asked my 18 brothers and sisters, and they didn't have any idea either. I'm starting to understand the temperature of the room. I need to, I need to aim lower. Yeah. I need to aim yeah. lower. You can be a little more crude. I think, yeah, a little bit more crude. Okay, I can, I can do that, actually. Uh, what starts with an O and ends with onions? It's like, like onion. Uh, onions. Yeah, onions or opinions. Yeah, but you missed, but missed, no, no. You missed the line. No, I was, I was going to do it afterwards. Oh, all right, go ahead. No, now you messed it up. <laughs> all right, go ahead. I was going to both make me cry. It's a, well, I thought you were going to say they both stink. Also like true. It's, no, you ruined it. Now I have to finish with this one. Okay, here we go. So we're done now? Uh, almost. So um, I bought a pair of shoes uh, from a guy. I think, he was a, I think he was a drug dealer. Yeah. I don't know what he laced them with, but I've been tripping all day. 
I knew they would like that one. I knew the Saturday night crowd, they would be all about it. Sunday night, a little bit Sunday more highbrow. Saturday night. Yeah, they're good for it. Yeah, they're, uh, they're all about it. I have these for days, by the way, I just think, in case you need any more. I think they all feel sorry for your kids now. Okay. I think they all feel all right, sad. All right, sad. all right, all right, all uh, right. You know, I went to... Uh, I went to the chiropractor this last week. I thought we were done. You're sick. You're, you're <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah. All right, go, I, all right, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I went to him, and I this whole time I thought he wasn't any good, but I stand corrected. You should have quit while you're behind. Okay, all right. I give up then. I give up. What kind of doctor is Dr. Pepper? A physician? <laughs> uh, Okay. Okay. This is good news, though. This is good news. Summer is coming up, and you know, um, a couple years ago, they were saying that the the like the summer body was the dad bod. But guess what it is this year? The the most popular body is the antibody. That was a. COVID. Some of us have both. Okay. <laughs> All right. Dad bought in. Anthony. All right. All right. I give up. This is a tough crowd. I got nothing. All right. Uh, so here's what we're going to do tonight, besides tell really, really bad jokes, is um, a, few, a few years ago on Father's Day, we decided that we were going to try something different. And uh, the whole idea came out of um, a, a time in my life in which I was trying to like strategically come up with ideas for uh, parenting because I am a parent of three young children. And so I was talking through all the things with my wife about all the things that I think helped shape me for the, for the good as I was growing up. And so we came up with different things because we wanted to make sure that we were intentionally implementing those things. And so there's obviously things like being at church and really uh, involved in the community here and, and committed to it. And, and there was other things where we talked about helping them understand scripture. And so that's something that on a nightly basis, we try to read through scripture and ask them questions and stuff like that. But I also realized that one of the things that shaped me, and I don't know how intentional it was, and maybe it was just um, by coincidence, but um, all these little sayings, my dad had all these sayings growing up, and they instilled these beliefs and these values in me. And I didn't realize it at the time, but as I reflect back, a lot of the things that I think about the world, um, I think about because of these little sayings that he instilled. And so you know the whole teach or the whole thing that's a, it's not taught, it's caught. And, and I think a lot of the things that I believe about myself and I believe about the world and I believe about God really came from just catching those things from my dad. And so what I did was I wrote down um, all these things. I call them Doyle's Proverbs, okay? Doyle's Proverbs. And, uh, and I started to share those with you guys. And let's be honest, he didn't think of hardly any of them. He stole most of them, okay? But what I wanted to do is I wanted to share some with you and allow us to maybe have a conversation about them because... I think either if you're a dad or you're just a, a person who's just trying to figure out life, some of these may resonate with you. And feel free to steal them if there's a couple that really go, you know what, that clicks, that makes sense. Just write it down and figure out how to implement them in your life um, as these sayings. And so I wanted to go through, and I don't know, uh, I gave you some of them, and I don't know which ones you want me to talk about well, first. We did, this, but, we did this a couple of years ago, and yeah. um, we can't remember which ones we did. Yeah. So a couple of them maybe repeats, but hopefully they won't remember either. Well, I think that's kind of the point, is you're supposed to repeat them all the time, right? Okay. Like, you don't just right. say it once. It's a consistent thing. And so if, if we do it again, it's all right. Good. So you want to start or you want me to start? Oh. Um, hey, let, me, let, me, let me kind of lay the groundwork for this. Yeah. So, um, so I, there's a guy in the church, and he says, I don't like coming on Father's Day. So Mother's Day is great because you always compliment mom, tell them what a great job they're doing. On Father's Day, you just beat us up every year. And I got to think, I, you know, he's right, I do, because I'm kind of passionate about being a dad, you know, kind of passionate about the the challenges we have in our world because dads aren't being very good dads 
And so I kind of get a little intense about it. And he's right. He, I kind of, so I'm going to try not to beat anybody up, okay? I'm going to try to compliment the dads who are here because you're probably doing a great job. And, and the ones who aren't here are the ones I need to probably get on their case. But um, I do want to start with a little, uh, before he kind of starts giving some of these proverbs, which he's right, I didn't come up with any of them. They're all from somewhere else. Um, I want to kind of lay something out for you just so that we remember what it is that dads do and Christian dads especially. And it's found in, uh, it's found in Deuteronomy. Um, 11, uh, 18 through 21. And it says this, and here's instructions for dads. Uh, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. By the way, this, this isn't directed to dads. I'm directing it to dads. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. So I just want to break this down real quick into four things that we appreciate the dads do. And we, we've kind of come up with this theme we're starting to talk about more and more. And it's about living differently. We, uh, I grew up in a, in a religious environment in which we, we didn't have any question we lived differently. Um, I didn't have a television until I was nine. So my dad thought it was evil. Turns out he was right. We should never have gotten one. Uh, uh, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of but things. But if you didn't have a TV, how did you watch Hallmark movies? We didn't watch Hallmark movies. Lucky. <laughs> I, I thought we were done with the dad jokes. I oh, sorry. I can't help it. They just flow. <laughs> so I just want to kind of put this in context. The, the first, uh, verse 18 here is, fix these words of mine in your hearts and your minds. The first thing is dads need to think differently. Dad, Christian dads need to think differently. Other dads can worry about if their son's going to make the pros or whatever it is. But first, Christian dads think about God's word and let that influence everything they do in raising their children. Um, so think different thoughts. The second one is teach different values. Teach different values. One of the things I think Cody's doing a great job with is with his kids, and he's talking about it, is that when the kids don't get something they want, and because everybody else has it, the phrase is what? We live differently. What, what can I say? We live differently. Just because somebody else has it doesn't mean you're getting it. You're probably not going to get it because we live differently. We have different values than lots of folks. And uh, so that's verse 19. Teach the thing to your children. I don't think that's me, guys. Is it? You got it back there? Is that your neck? I don't you know. You should go to the chiropractor more. <laughs> All right. So they're going to bring me another mic, I think, it looks like. One two, one two, one two. You can't, you can't tell him you can't tell what we're wearing. What's that? I can't hear you. <laughs> What's that? You're such a jerk. <laughs> Whoever your dad is, he did a bad job. This is one of my favorite messages from you right now. <laughs> this is fantastic. I thought it was just me that could tune you out. I didn't know everybody else was able to as well. That's amazing. Okay. They usually only do this when I'm singing. I don't know why I got turned off from it. All right, where were we? Anyway, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. All right, so it's verse 18, teach your children, um, teach them to your children. So what you're learning from God, and it's an ongoing thing, it's not what you learned from God, it's what you're learning from God now. Teach it to your children. I'm going to take this thing off. What you didn't know is a joke back behind me, back there before we came out, was these are Madonna mics, we call them, because they're strapped onto your head. I call them Britney Spears, but Britney different Spears. generations, I guess. I get it. Either way, they're really uncomfortable, and we hate them, and they told me it would be better. 
All right, so anyway, uh, so uh, interesting thing here. You're learning, you're growing, dads, and then you're teaching it to your children. Okay, now listen to this. This is really interesting because you think it's just repetitive, but I, I'm going to suggest maybe it's not. It says, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Here's, would this be possible that there is a suggestion here that you, dads, need to try to aim for having four significant spiritual conversations with your children a day? Some of you guys feel good if you get one in a month. I'm not going to beat you up. I'm going to set a new goal for you. What if you just, it's as easy as um, prayer for their day on the way to school. It's as easy as good night prayers. It's as easy as praying over dinner and just talking a little bit about how good it is that God has provided for us and how fortunate we are, how blessed we are to have what we have. I thought that was, I, I'd, I'd read that many times, and I thought, you know what? There's four occasions in every day that we can reinforce with our kids what our values are, what is most important in this relationship with God. And then it says, write them on the door frames of your houses. So think different thoughts, teach different values, live different lives. Your home needs to be set apart. It needs to be, uh, it needs to be different than people who aren't Christians. It needs to have a, a different kind of entertainment. It needs to have probably less screen time. There's certain things that need to be different about your home because of your relationship with God. And, and reading Bible together, those kinds of things, you need to think about how you make that happen. And I'm, I'm talking to dads because I, I think it's harder for dads to take the lead in this. I just, I, I have, you can call me sexist or stupid, whatever you want to do, but I think women are more spiritual than men in general. I just, I, I don't know, I'm, I have no proof. I just think that. Um, but I think dads are to lead out anyway. Even if your wife is a better Christian, my wife is a way better Christian than me. I mean, you already knew that. But got to lead out. And in doing that, and in verse 21, it says, not only if you, do, you think different thoughts, you teach different values, you live different lives, then you'll reap different rewards or results. And so for me, I just want to encourage the dads with that before we get into these other things. I just want to encourage the dads with that. Dads, the hard work you're doing will pay off. And keep it up and keep leading the way, even if you're not got it all together. None of us do. So, good. All right, so let's do the Proverbs now, shall we? Yeah. Um, we have a lot, so let me figure out which uh, which one do you want to start with. you want to start with this one right here or this one right sure, here? Sure, either one. Because I can tell we're going to run out of time, so That's we're going to have I'll to talk just do fast it. on these. Just talk faster, okay? Okay. Okay, great. Um, so this one was about decision making. Is I kind of categorized some of these. So as I was growing up and trying to make different decisions, and and each life stage came with its different decisions that I had to make. Um, I remember that you would you would give me a couple different analogies. The, the first one was, um, and you've talked about this in, in church before, is do the last thing that God called you to do. And so whenever I wasn't sure about what I should do, and what's funny is I actually had a meeting with somebody the other day, and they were trying to decide. Uh, kind of making a, a career move, but also a geographical move and trying to figure out, and they were really just torn of what they should do. And they were looking for me to give them like some kind of answer. And I'm like, I don't know. And, and so I just, I remember blurting out, just do the last thing God called you to do. I was like, oh, I, I did learn something. That was great. Um, so what does that mean exactly, to do the last thing God called you to do? So I learned this from a football coach who had actually uh, retired from coaching and come on our staff. And I was struggling with um, deciding whether to come to California. Well, I didn't know it was California. Whether to start a church or not. And it seemed like the doors were closing where I wanted to go to start a church. And I was really struggling. So we were together one day, and I just asked him. And he's just a, you know, no-nonsense, you know, common-sense kind of guy. And he said, well, here's what I find. I just keep doing the last thing I knew for sure God told me to do until I know the next thing for sure he tells me to do. 
And I've seen that so many times. People are struggling with God's will and what they're going to do, whatever. And I just want to say, are you already doing the last thing God told you? Because it starts with here. There's a lot of things in here we need to be doing. You know, a lot of stuff in here, like, like uh, you know, not cheating on your spouse or not living together before you get married. A lot of things. I just want to say, you got those under control before you're expecting God to tell you the next thing? Because if you're disobeying him in the last thing, he's not going to tell you the next thing yet. And then if you are, you do have those biblical things kind of under control with you, and you're working on them. And sometimes, and here is, here is the, the, the story behind this story. It took me two years after he said this till we got to see what God was leading us to, and it turned out to be California. But it was two years just kind of dangling out there, knowing that something was going to change, knowing that I needed to be doing something else. And just and I knew it was starting a church. I just didn't know where. And I was just waiting on God to kind of give me the go. And for two years, he just kind of left me hanging. And in that time, I got really uh, serious about my relationship really uh, with him, really serious about doing whatever it was he called me to do, willing, whatever it was. And he did a great thing in me to prepare me for that thing. And I just kept doing the last thing he told me to do, which was to be on staff at that church. So um, once you figure out that God has either told you to move or to stay or whatever, um, I remember the the next question was, okay, well, what do I do next? And so I remember the exact place this happened. We were sitting in a barbecue restaurant, um, and this was probably 10 years ago. And we were talking about kind of what I wanted to do with my life because I was doing ministry, but I was also doing some business and I was trying to figure out which of those pathways um, I wanted to pursue full time. And, um, and, and I was feeling a strong call towards ministry, but I was having a hard time letting go. And, and you said this, you said, sometimes decisions are like a trapeze. You have to let go of one side in order to reach the other. And so what I wanted to do was hold on to both and I, I guess I wasn't that elastic. And so you said, you're going to have to let go of this thing in order to pursue that thing. Right. And Hebrews 11, 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So there are times in our Christian life, we don't know exactly where we're going, where God is leading us, or how we're going to get there. But we know where we are right now. And right now, I'm being obedient to what God is calling me to do. And I don't know where it's going to lead. And eventually, when we did end up in California, we resigned with no way to, and, and started making plans to come here with no way to get here, no way to make a living when we got here, no congregation to pastor. There was a lot of unknowns. But in that moment, I knew I was doing what God called me to do. And I had to let go of the security of the job and the house and all the stuff I had there in order to go to the next one. And I think you had to let go of some things to pursue God's will. And so sometimes God calls us to do things when it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, so letting go of, of something that is oftentimes comfortable and safe, and so for me that was um, business, and for you that was a stable ministry job, and pursuing that other thing, that can bring a lot of anxiety and fear, and I know that for me there was a season where I was like, I don't know how I can pay the bills anymore, and we started having kids, and it was just like, man, it, this seems like an insurmountable obstacle in front of me, and um, something that you've said throughout my life was, and I'm not sure if this is helpful or not, Sometimes I think it is, sometimes I do. You always ask me, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I'm like, I can get really creative with things that bad that can happen. You know, like I can be, I can move back in home with you. And you're like, that is bad. <laughs> you know, like that is terrifying. And I was like, I know. We, we'd let the kids in and maybe yeah. Amy. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, anyway, so you said to kind of make me go there though sometimes is sometimes it's better to just think through, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then you face that fear and now we can move, move forward. Right, right. At the end of the day, we're all going to die, and you're either going to heaven or not. If you're going to heaven, everything else is gravy. And you can so see why he was really helpful in times of anxiety. <laughs> Dad, I'm feeling really stressed out. And he's like, you're going to die, dude. You're like, 
You think so too? Okay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so sad. Uh, see, no sympathy either. Pansy. Anyway, okay. Um, suck, suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> okay. Um, as, uh, as, as I was navigating through seasons, like uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do next and, and all the relationships that were going to change because of that, um, one of the things that you told me is be careful whose star you hit your wagon to, which has to be from like 17th, 18th century, something like that. I don't even know. Where did that come from? My dad. My okay. dad used to say that a lot. He would teach me that that a more modern version of this would be uh, your, your friends will determine your altitude. In other words, who you surround yourself with, uh, you need to be careful because they will either limit where you're going or they will help you get there. And so he would always say that to me, be careful who's sorry you're hitching your wagon to. You're going to go somewhere. You're probably going to end up where they are, and you better choose wisely. Here's, yeah. what, here's what it says in Proverbs. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the wicked uh, uh, of the wicked... Um, the way of the wicked lead them astray. In other words, you choose the right friends, you're going to get where you need to go. Choose the wrong friends, they lead you astray. Yeah, and so some of the some of that, uh, a lot of the advice that you've given me over the years is relational, and it's become um, even more important as I have gone into ministry and tried to navigate a lot of these different relationships. And so you kind of said, okay, so be careful who you hang out with, right? But then this other one, and this is really, um, I know that this isn't ministry specific, but it feels like we encounter this a lot, is um, if God is removing someone from your life, don't chase them. And so you have to clarify that a little bit because what you're talking about here is, it, is if God, not you, not because you're a bummer of a time and people are running away from you, but if God is removing somebody from your life, don't go and chase them, which is hard for a lot of us because we want to be liked, we want people to hang out with, and you said no. If he's removing them, don't go get them because if you bring them back and God's trying to remove them, you're really going to regret that, right? Yeah. So I'll say that one more time. If God is removing someone out of your life, don't chase them. Yeah. So I, I first learned this, uh, we, this church had just started. We had maybe 20 people, 25 people. And one of the people who had some means, and by that I mean some resources, some stability in their life, whatever, um, told me that they were leaving the church. We only had 25 people. And I called my dad and I said, Dad, this is terrible. This person's leaving. And my dad said an interesting thing to me, not knowing the person, not knowing the situation, but having been in ministry for since the 1800s. Uh, but um, he said, son, sometimes God removes people for a reason. And you may find out or you may not, but it's okay. Let it go. And I was very upset. It was a little tiny church. We had almost no people. And, and I later found out that this person was struggling with some life issues that were going to be really bad. And he was not going to deal with them well. And it turned out to be exactly right. Later, John Maxwell gave an illustration. If you know the pastor and teacher, um, kind of leadership inc guy, guru guy, uh, John Maxwell said uh, he learned it when his wife and he uh, were talking because some people were leaving their church and he wanted to go convince them. And she said, honey, ministry is like a train and pastoring church is like a train. God has called you. You need to follow that vision. And if you stop and try to pick up every person who decides not to be a part of that vision, we're never going to get where God wants us to be. Stop picking up people who have gotten off the train. Maybe they got off for a good reason. Maybe they need to be at a different church. Maybe they're in disobedience to God. You can't fix that. Stop. You be, he said, every time you stop a train to go get somebody, we're not moving toward where God wants us to be. Don't be cold-hearted. Be loving. Be caring. But you can't, what's the old thing? You lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. You can't make people do what is right or even best for them. or even You can't even make them achieve their potential. They've got to choose that. And if God is leading you somewhere, don't let people stop you from getting there. 
So let me give you a couple um, that are kind of related. Is um, people will leave your church or your life. Um, you get to choose who. So you're going to have people come in and out of your life. That's just, a, that's just a part of how it goes. But you get to choose which ones stay and which ones go. Not always, but, but uh, we'll sometimes. address it in a minute. Um, you, uh, you used to tell me this all the time is, how did you not see that one coming? Like I would make a really poor decision and then it would have a really poor outcome and I would be surprised by like, wow, that didn't work out. And you're like, how did you not see that one coming? And I'm like, well, because I'm 16, so whatever. Um, you were 32 at the okay, time. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that time too. Um, or this one, uh, don't be surprised when people turn out to be exactly who you thought they were. <laughs> okay, so wait, this one's legit because there is a book uh, is it Malcolm Gladwell? That It's called Blink, and it's like your first impression of a situation or somebody, whatever, go with that, because it's probably in, you're intuitively correct. And this is sort of it is, as you get to know someone, your first, not just impression, but like, man, I think X, Y, and Z about them. Take that seriously, because they may be exactly who you think that they are. So which one of those do you want me to talk about? Whatever. So let's start with the first one. Um, people will leave your life. You won't get to choose everybody who leaves your life, but we just talked about those who choose to leave and you can't do anything about it. Keep moving. Keep becoming who God wants you to be. This one's about not, so in my high school, there are different groups in my high school. Here's how old I am. We had greasers. That's not an ethnic group. It's a way of dress, a style of dress, uh, like the 50s, uh, 1950s. <laughs> um, we had jocks. We had freaks, which is like hippie types, freaks. And we had, uh, we didn't call them nerds. We were like studious type, you know. I wasn't one of those. Um, uh, and then we had the dope smokers. And I did smoke marijuana in the smoking area at my school in the 70s. You could do anything. And uh, you know what the easiest group to belong to was? The dope smokers. You only had to do one thing, smoke dope. Or at least not give anybody grief for doing it, right? Sometimes we allow our relationships to be centered around the lowest common denominator. We come out, we, we just, we settle for friends who just, we just share the lowest possible thing instead of the highest possible thing. We should pick those closest to us based on how much we want to please God, know God, be who he's called us to be. And anybody who doesn't go after that the most in their life probably is going to fall somewhere outside the top 10 in my life. Do you know what I mean by that? So again, it's back to that choose, choose wisely. Um, how do you not see that one coming? A psychologist taught me that one. Uh, because I kept get, getting into kind of codependent relationships when we first started the church, people who I thought I was going to fix. <laughs> and he'd been at it a long time, and he knew I wasn't. He knew, he, and at one point he said, you know that person, um, and it was, it was somebody who started with anorexia, and they were well into their 60s and had for many years. And he said, oh, so you think you're the one who's going to fix them? And, and I went, oh, you mean, no, no, you're not that good. That person has their issues. They've got a counselor. They need to work it through them, and you need to quit being codependent. He said, now, when you get tired of getting kicked in the head, you're going to stop doing that. See, there's a, Matt and I were talking about this. Matt has this. I don't know if you have this or not. We kind of believe that people have huge potential, and sometimes we'll invest in people that may not be serious about their potential. And he was addressing that in my life. You can't invest in everybody. You've got to make some choices. And one of the hard leadership choices, whether you're leading a church or a life, is who to invest in, who to, who to fully trust with, who you're becoming, and, and choose wisely and ask God about it. Um, don't be surprised when people turn out to be exactly who you thought they were. That goes in line with this one, which is, I just believe everybody could just be incredible. 
I just really, that's my intuition. That's my normal way of being. Everybody can be incredible, and we're going to get there. And I had to, had to kind of start learning from my wife. My wife has um, much better intuition about people. I think it's because women use both sides of their brain, and I use about a quarter. Um, but uh, th- we, call it, we call it women's intuition. We used to when we were allowed to refer to. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Intuition. Yep. <clears throat> we refer to intuition. Anyway, I actually, actually read a thing years ago about how women gather data bo- with both sides of their brain, and we call it intuition because we don't understand how it works, but it does work. Um, there's a guy named Dr. I think his name was Joy at Stanford that did this study on it. My wife can look at people and have a much better read. I just think everybody's incredible, or they're going to be incredible, or if I can just get them to the next level. And at one point, she's trying to help me learn to who to invest in. Honey, you need to see things more clearly. So that was all kind of one batch of learning that I had to do with them. And it was hard because I just believe God loves everybody and everybody can be great, but not everybody wants to be great. Yeah. And everybody's willing to put in the work to follow God fully. So that's why mom didn't really hang out with me much growing up, is what you're saying? She spent time with your sister. And I think it's paying off. That makes more sense. That makes a lot of sense. Anyway, um, okay, we got we to gotta hustle because we're going to run out of time. Uh, let me skip down here. Um, this one was really important for me and still is, is you would tell me just keep showing up. Why don't you, why don't you tell what that means? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so um, for me, like in ministry specifically, there's just a lot of points in which you want to just say, okay, I'm good. I'm done. Like, I've done enough. We've given enough. We've whatever. And I'm sure you feel like this. It's not just ministry, of course, but it's whatever your job is or whatever. You, know, you may have a relationship or whatever. And um, it just feels like I'm never going to get there. We're never going to move forward. We're always stuck in place. And you would continue to remind me, you just have to keep showing up. Keep showing up. It's in the faithfulness that you'll be rewarded. And part of the reward is that consistency over time and who you're becoming. And so for me, um, it's always going in my mind is um, you would always talk about like, uh, you would say this about yourself, but I would say this about myself as well, is um, I'm not smarter, smarter than anybody else. Um, I'm not better looking. That one I'm, I'm not sure about. Um, oh, we can affirm. We can. <laughs> that would be a first affirmation I've ever had from you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. We're in counseling now. Here we go. I'm kidding. Um, what are we? What are we even talking about? I don't about know. Now? Buttercup. Okay. All right. You're talking about you're not better looking. You're not smarter. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you could, wow. Out of all the things you remembered, you came up with that pretty quick. Um, let me. We're going to run out of time. Okay. I want to get. I just want to read really past. Quick. I just want to read Matthew 25:23. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. There is this kingdom principle that if you'll show up and be faithful, even in the small stuff, like going to your kid's ball game, like playing catch in the backyard, if you'll just show up, God will reward you with greater opportunity to serve him. And so showing up is just, it, it's just essential. You just got to keep showing up. Is there any that you want? I have one more, but is there any that you want to make sure we, well, we talk so, through? So the next one on our list that you wrote down was, and, and it says, just try and hit a double. Oh, right, right. So it's not just showing up and being there. It's showing up and trying. In other words, you don't have to hit a home run every time. You're every, every outing with your kids doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be talked about 40 years from now. But don't do the least you can do. You know what I'm saying? Show up and then some. Show up and then a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Show up and hit a double. Show up and do something extra. Put a little extra in it, into it. That's the stuff the kids will remember. And that's the kind of person you'll be to them. And that's the kind of attitude they have about life. Show up and then some. 
show up and then some. So always show up. There's, so I, just if I could preach a little bit. Um, th- honestly, I honestly believe that most of the major issues in America are from fatherless families. I truly believe that. And, so, and, and there's lots of data that will prove that if we'll be honest enough to read it. Um, the truth is that showing up, just showing up is a great thing. But as Christians, we get to show up and then some. Show up and have a significant spiritual conversation. Show up and find out what they're really thinking. Show up and then some. And so for me, I just think, dads, if you can do that, if you'll follow God with all your heart and you show up and then some, just a little bit, just a double, if you'll do that, God will bless you in ways you never believed. So the last one I want to make sure that we get to is um, one that I am consistently, every time I do any kind of premarital counseling or anything like this, this is my main point is have agreed upon expectations. If you want your relationships to go well, you have to have agreed upon expectations. What does that mean? Yeah. I thought you were going to end with you can't outgive God and do a pitch for tithing, but I guess we'll do that next time. Oh, no, that's a good one too. <laughs> All right, do this one quicker, and then we'll do a pitch for giving. So um, this is when I teach all the time. Whenever Connie and I do uh, premarital classes or even young marriage, whatever it is, um, yeah, just realize that your family is a new entity and that the expectations you carried from your family of origins and they carried from theirs don't mean anything. Uh, That's why you want to marry a Christian because you have some shared expectations already, right? You have some already. The really important ones are already decided, okay? So if you're a Christian and you're dating a non-Christian, stop it. I'm saying that both because it's scriptural and because from experience you're going to get a broken heart, okay? If you're already married and you married a non-Christian, let us pray with you. Let us encourage you. It's going to be a long road, all right? So shared expectations, beginning with God and his word and what it means to be a Christian. And then just build, the way you build a marriage, Connie and I have been married for a while now. Do you want to tell him? No, I don't. Come on. I do not. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him. Today's your anniversary. 40 years. I told him this morning when I saw him, I said, 40 years, that's crazy, man. I said, looking at you and, and mom, you would think that she's had the rougher time over the last 40 years being married to you, but you look like you've had the rougher time <laughs> over these last 40 years. <laughs> There's encouragement for you there, buddy. Now I need therapy. <laughs> you need bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody yelled, I need bacon. That is what got me in this condition. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Shared expectation. Just the way you build a marriage is you just build bricks. Each one of them is a shared expectation. Here's how we're going to deal with finance. Here's how we're going to deal with budget. Here's how, what we're going to do when we get mad. We're not going to run away. We're not going to hold it over each other's heads. We're not going to add them up later. And get it. It's, We're not going to do that. Here's how we're going to live according to Scripture and what is best for our marriage. And you just agreed upon expectation. Every conflict should generate an agreed upon expectation. Every conflict. If you just walk away from it and get over it, it doesn't do you any good. You need to squeeze that conflict for some good. And if you can redeem that conflict for a shared expectation, you know how to deal with it next time. And over 40 years of having shared expectations, you come to trust each other's behavior. You come to trust their reactions. And, and, and if there's something going on, you, you know you've got an agreed upon expectation on how to deal with it. So I have one more that I, I want to share. And it's, and it's, uh, it's not a, a proverb from me, but um, it is a proverb. And it's Proverbs 1, 8, and 9. It says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. 
They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now, I got this really funny picture when I read this. Uh, I think the garland is what mom did, and I think the chain is what dad did. It, I know it's probably sexist. Deal with it. Um, so what it, what it is, is as this young adult goes out into the world, this garland says, somebody cares about me. They adore me. They love me. And when he goes out with the chain on his neck, it says, somebody is resourcing me. Somebody is behind me. Somebody's, I'm not just here on my own. I've got someone who loves me, someone who provided for me, and they walk into the world with a different attitude. One of the greatest problems we have in our society is fatherless children, and it results in, in an institution in our government that, without intervention, produces some pretty, pretty um, um, unhealthy adults. And so we want to tell you a story. Is that okay if we go to that? Yeah. We want to just tell you via video a story of someone who decided to, to impact that because dads are needed. Uh, so check this out. To all the dads, thank you for showing up and then some. And, uh, and maybe you'll get a chance to show up even a little more in somebody else's life. And so thank you guys for all that you do. Uh, keep your eyes open, your heart open to what God might want you to do next. And, uh, and let him use you because you're important. You're important to us. You're very important to the next generation. And so we thank you. Let's stand together and say a word of prayer uh, as we do that. Lord God, we thank you so much for, uh, yeah, just our dads. You are a perfect heavenly father, and you love us unconditionally and perfectly. Sometimes our earthly fathers weren't very good, and sometimes they were really good. But at all times, we are grateful, and we are thankful. I thank you for every dad in this room, Lord God. I pray that you would give them wisdom. You would give them courage, insight, Lord God. They would help them show up, have the energy to show up, and then some. And, Lord, if there's someone else's like they could show up and, and help. Lord, let them be open to that. Make it really clear when that time has come. Lord, we thank you for being our father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live outdoor services underneath our tent at Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. You can always join us online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.